This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my good friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Coming to you across the table, a much further distance now. We are using our brand new mics this week for the first time, so hopefully you guys will notice some improved sound quality. Yeah, something like that. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> We're told that it sounds a lot better by my husband who knows these things, so... We're going with it. It does sound good. We're we're excited. So thank you to our Patreon supporters for really funding this. Yes. uh, We really appreciate that. And if you want to support the moms, patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast. We are so very appreciative of everyone who has given. And thank you for listening. We're just, we're so appreciative. We are. It's like Thanksgiving every day for us. And also like complaining season for us as well. We do both. We're right. really happy and we're really whiny. So thank you. <laughs> you can have it all. <laughs> <laughs> Who says you can't have it all? And thank you guys for checking out last week's episode with the lovely Allie Sweeney. We can compliment her now that she's not in front of us. I mean, we could have complimented her to her face. Yeah, that, we sounds, did. that, that sounds quite did. strange. No, oh. but she was lovely and just even more wonderful than you would even imagine. It was. Yeah, I'm still living on the high from that and probably will be for like the I rest know. of the year. So or my life. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel like we peaked and it's all downhill. So thanks for coming back this week. Um, <laughs> you're going to be really bummed out. Before we get started, we wanted to let you guys know of a couple of shows that we just guested on that came out in the last week or two. Um, We were both on the reality TV podcast talking about Brown's Chicken Massacre in Illinois, and that was a really crazy, bizarre case. There really aren't any podcasts about it, which was shocking to me, Um, but it's a really interesting case that we talked to her about. And plus, we talked about some reality TV, so my heart was just so warm. And I was there for it, guys. Mandy was there, and she made a game specific to things Mandy would know. It's like you know how you like adjust games for like your kindergartner when you're playing with your older kids? <laughs> I'm getting more offended every word that you say. <laughs> that's what you get for calling me dear and old. <laughs> um, so that's basically what Jody was kind enough to do, making a like a kid's version of reality TV <laughs> questions. But it was really a lot of fun. And then also I was on People Are Wild with my favorite little traveling ER nurse, Lil' Kim, and uh, she was lovely, and we talked about um, endometriosis, and that's something that I've had my adult life, and um, first time I've really shared about it, and I really thought it was a good episode and a lot of fun, and I think it's good information. So if you're interested in that, um, check out People Are Wild. Mandy, I'm excited about this week's episode. Are you ready to kick us off? So this week we have a case that's a little bit different than some of the cases that we have covered before, and as we go into it, you guys will kind of see what I mean by that. So we will just start off by telling you about a man named Samson Shelton. He was a guy who really appeared to have it all. He was good looking, he had a charming personality, a great sense of humor, and a friendly disposition. All of these qualities, along with his young age, made him very popular among the students at the high school where he taught driver's education and physical education. I think he was also a coach 
some kind of sports coach. He looked like a coach. Yeah, he did. He definitely looked like a, I mean, if you can look like a coach, then he did. No, he definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam had been a teacher since 2003 after he graduated from McKendree College in Lebanon, Illinois. The superintendent of the school district described him as quiet and reserved and said that he seemed to have an appropriate and good relationship with the students. But when 17-year-old Ashley Reeves went missing in April of 2006, the details of Sam's secret life would be put on full display, leaving his friends, family, and coworkers baffled and in disbelief. I wonder how, like, to me, it's very normal for the PE teacher and the driver's head teacher to be the same person. Is that your, did you guys have driver's head at your school? Um, We did. And yeah, I feel like there was a couple of coaches that kind of did like multi, they were like yeah. multi-purpose teachers, yeah. you know, they would do all the like kind of just different things, yeah. you know, because driver's ed is not, I don't think you have to go to college to teach driver's ed. So. Well, oh my gosh, you need a life insurance policy to teach driver's ed. That has to be the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we learned how to, I remember we t- took tires off, all this random stuff that I've never done. You learned how to change tires in driver's ed? I mean, I went to a really small school. There wasn't a whole lot we could do. There was only like four of us in driver's ed. So it was like, <laughs> all right, if you get abandoned on the side of the road, here's what you got to do. It was like driver's ed and a mechanics class. Yeah. He basically just didn't want to be in the car with any of us. So he's yeah. like, let's <laughs> learn how to open a, or to hop out of a, no, you know what would have been helpful? We would have learned how to hop out of a trunk. If You know how like you can pop out of a trunk? Oh yeah. That would have been helpful. Yeah. Nobody teaches you that. They don't teach you taxes and they don't teach you how to get out of a trunk. Well now actually, and don't even ask me how I know this, but um, I, I noticed won't. that on the inside of my trunk, there's like a glow in the dark little thing that you, it says like pull this and it will unlatch the trunk. So it's like a new safety feature. How now. do you know that? I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't, you don't know how you came across that? Was it nighttime and you saw a glowing thing no. or were you in your trunk? No, I just, I saw it and it's like a little plastic thing. It was like during the day, but I realized that the material yeah. was like a glow in the dark thing. I don't know, Melissa. Ashley Reeves was raised in the country in Milstadt, Illinois. Her mother, Michelle, recalls what a smart, strong-willed child Ashley was. When she was reaching her teen years, she was responsible and stayed out of trouble, didn't drink alcohol or experiment with drugs. She was a typical teenage girl who enjoyed hanging out with friends and playing basketball. In early 2006, Ashley began hanging out with Sam Shelton. She didn't attend the same high school where he worked, and since she had many friends that were older than her, she thought nothing of her new friendship with Sam. The two would meet up at the local park to play basketball, oftentimes alone. Ashley believed they were nothing more than close friends. I think she even had a boyfriend, a pretty serious boyfriend at this point. But her mother suspected that she might have a little crush on the young teacher, although she wasn't concerned about it and even thought it was kind of cute. It's not cute. Yeah, I'm... I'm going to go with you there. It's, it's not cute. And, well, because um, this day and age, like, it's not the 50s or something where right. you're, like, kindergartner brings flowers to his teacher. Like, like almost weekly you see stuff where somebody's come up and had alleged an inappropriate relationship with a student or something. I mean, I could kind of understand what her mother was saying. Like, oh, it was just like, a you know, who hasn't had a crush on a teacher at some point or whatever it is. Right. And, um, you know, in my high school, there was several young teachers and coaches. And, you know, of course, like the girls, they thought they were cute or whatever. But they weren't meeting up with them alone at parks to play basketball. Yeah. So that kind of changes it a little bit, it I does. think. And that's not cute anymore. You know, it's not like... She just comes home from school and says, oh, I have this, there's this really cute teacher, you know, at my school. Now we're meeting up and and hanging out as if we're friends. And there's just something kind of creepy about that. That age is kind of difficult, though, like 16, 17, because you do start to feel like you're a little older. And, and then some of your friend groups 
can skew a little bit older, you right. know, 18, 19 and stuff. So that's not crazy. But he's not 18, 19. He's in his early mid 20s. Right. It's, it's a big difference. So even though Ashley did not go to the high school where um, Sam was teaching, I still think we're getting into that gray area where it's like really inappropriate be sending text messages and having these phone calls. Yeah. And he definitely should have known better. Like that this, you know, you're not going to get out of this by saying like, well, she's not my student, so it's fine. Right. Um, that's just not how it works. Whenever yeah. you're a teacher, you can't just have friends that are minors and, yeah. and think that it's going to be a normal situation. So, um, so that was that part of it was just... I mean, and her mom didn't know the extent of it, that they were, no. like, communicating on that level. So, um, you know, but, of course, she was 17, so you don't tell your mom everything. And her mom said she was responsible, so she had really no reason to right. go through Absolutely. her stuff and, yeah. look, you know, look around. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely into dangerous territory, I think, when you start doing the, the calls and the texting. And you yeah. can kind of see where that it's getting – It's the situation is escalating yeah. between them. On that day in late April, Sam invited Ashley to meet him alone at the park, saying that he wanted to talk to her about something important. Because Ashley shared a car with her mom, she needed to come up with a valid reason as to why she was leaving, and she told her mom that she had a job interview in a neighboring city and needed to use the car. And of course, because she said it was a job interview, her mom was like, sure, here's the keys. At around 3 p.m. that afternoon, Ashley left the house, headed for the park, and... No one knew where she was going, but of course she was going to meet up with Sam and not going to interview for a job. She was supposed to return home that evening so that she could babysit her younger sister, but when she did not come home on time, her mom, Michelle, became increasingly worried. It wasn't really like Ashley to be late, and it certainly wasn't like her to miss her curfew without calling, so when that 10 p.m. time rolled around, Michelle could not get in touch with Ashley, and she kind of got panicked and started calling Ashley's friends, asking if anyone had seen or heard from her. Um, she spoke to her best friend, Brittany, and Brittany said she had no clue where she was. And that kind of made Michelle really concerned because, uh, you know, it's one thing to, like, ignore your mom or not not return your parents' calls and texts. Right. But usually you, your friends will get yeah. something out of you. You know, if you're just avoiding your parents or going home, right. you're not going to be ignoring your friends also. So Michelle and her younger daughter began looking for any clues that would help them figure out where Ashley might be. While looking over the phone bill, Ashley's sister Casey discovered that there were many calls to and from the same phone number, and Michelle decided that at that point she had nothing to lose, and she decided to dial the number in hopes that whoever it was would have some insight into what was going on. After a few rings, Michelle was greeted by the friendly voice of Sam Shelton. He was polite and respectful and reassured Michelle that Ashley was probably fine and just out having fun with her friends, but he was super flippant about the fact that she had missed the curfew and that Michelle was concerned. He had said something like, oh, but it's only 11. I know. And she was like, well, that doesn't matter. Her curfew is 10 and she's not here. So yeah. I don't care what time it is, you know? Yeah. And it would be different if her curfew was 10 and it was 11 and she had called to say I'm running late. Like that's right. very, that happens. And that, so it never seemed like to me from what her mom would say, it was never like she would never be late. That wasn't the issue. It was that she was late and she didn't call. And that's right. where you get scared, of course. Right. At this point, Ashley's mother became more curious about Sam and wanted to know more about him. On the surface, he appeared to be every parent's dream. He was charismatic and admired by all who knew him. But it became known that he had a habit of hanging out with teenage girls, and Ashley wasn't the only one spending a lot of time with him. It appeared that he encouraged and fostered relationships with several of the high schoolers who had crushes on him, which is so gross. Yes. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like, he's getting all this attention. Oh, he's probably one of those dummies that lived their glory days of high school. Probably, because that is 
I don't, don't peak in high school, guys. Those no. people are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another interesting fact about Sam's life is that he moonlighted as a wrestler. Oh, under yeah. The name <laughs> The Teacher. So he's also creative. <laughs> so I feel like that like little moniker, the teacher, is more of like a male stripper name than, yeah. than a wrestler's name. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, but like, oh, not original, dude. Like right. the teacher is all you can came up with. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do if you panicked or you played like categories or something. Right. Just yelled, the teacher. <laughs> and although Sam wasn't great in the ring, his looks and the teacher persona attracted many female fans he was a really good looking guy like if you as a teacher I had some busted looking as a teacher you look great for a teacher (laughs) that's not what I mean at all but you know at some point in school like your teachers all kind of not look the same but like you get a lot of those old men teachers who are like gonna retire and everybody's just like hanging on to to retirement see I and then you get some fresh meat in there and you're like okay that's Something to look at all day. Yeah. Well, I thought, I mean, there was something wrong with his size of his head. Mandy? Like, it was really small. Mandy? Like, he looks kind of like a mouse. I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I wish we could roll the footage. He does not look like a mouse, and he does not have a pinhead, but <laughs> he does. He's fine, but not, like, fine. <laughs> He's just Okay. As the night went on and it became later and later with no word from Ashley, Michelle called Ashley's grandmother, so Michelle's mom, to ask what she thought Michelle should do. The grandmother told Michelle that she really should not wait any longer and she needed to call the police, which is always hard because once you make... It's real. It's real, right. If you don't have... you If you make that choice to call the police, you're acknowledging that something is wrong or right. that you believe something is yeah. wrong. So that kind of... Ter- it, it just makes it I different. get that, though. Like, yeah. the second you have to make that call, it's like, okay, we're, we're doing this. This is what right. we're thinking. Something right. could have happened. So Captain Steven Johnson believed that the circumstances of Ashley's disappearance were suspicious straight off the bat. He felt that even though teenagers commonly come home late or fail to answer their parents' calls and messages, that Ashley would have likely still responded to the texts and calls from her close friends. The fact that she hadn't responded to anyone raised red flags. When police learned that Ashley had been hanging out with a high school teacher on a regular basis, they felt that something was definitely wrong with the situation, and they knew the case was different than just your typical run-of-the-mill, like, runaway teen. Police said that they could hear the genuine concern in Michelle's voice and that they got the sense that she was serious about the fact that her daughter would never do this unless something was terribly wrong. Michelle waited up all night, frantic and emotional. The next morning, police located the car Ashley had been driving, and it was abandoned at the park where she had gone to meet up with Sam. By that afternoon, after 24 hours had passed since Michelle had seen her daughter, she began to fear the worst that she would never see Ashley again. I, it's really heartbreaking to even think of a mother in that position. Yeah. I can't even fathom like what you would feel like if you're like, I mean, you don't know. And then especially when they find the car, but she's not with it, that's even scarier because it's like, well, where, do, where is she? Yeah. You know? Yeah. The discovery of the car caused police to step up their investigation. With the tip from Michelle about the phone records, police immediately believed Sam Shelton was a person of interest in the case. I also love that, like, Michelle figured out right away, like, she thought to look at the phone records. That's such a cool mom thing to do. Like, that's super smart. Two investigators were sent to bring Sam in for questioning, and it wasn't long into the interview that detectives became suspicious. They felt that he was overconfident, and they didn't like the answers he was giving. 
He insisted that he had no idea where Ashley was or what had happened to her. And at one point, he was even saying that he wanted to know where she was just as much as everyone else. That was really tough, that interview, to watch him talking about that. Oh, yeah. He's like, I have no idea where she is, and I really would like to know, too. Oh, oh, congratulations, buddy. Sorry, your night's been inconvenient. Right. Meanwhile, he's sitting there in his, like, baseball uniform, right? Because they had pulled him out of, like, practice. Like, he was getting ready to do his coaching thing. Yeah. (laughs) So they had got him right before that. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole thing, he looked real young in there, didn't he? Like, you know, he was like... Real young. (laughs) (laughs) But no, he could have, I would have thought it was a high school student that they pulled into there. He did not, his little pen head just looked. (laughs) He did not look like an adult. Yeah, no, really. When Sam was confronted about the phone records showing that he had been in constant contact with Ashley for the past two months, Sam admitted that he did have a relationship with Ashley, but that it was never sexual and that they were just friends. Sure. Sure, Jan. After hours of interrogation, Sam began to crack and admitted that they had slept together one time but that he felt badly about it and knew it was wrong, so he wanted to break off the relationship with Ashley because she had wanted a more serious relationship, and he knew it was probably a bad idea. Probably, yeah. (laughs) I know. He initially would not admit to seeing Ashley the day of her disappearance, but eventually he told detectives that he did meet her at the park between 3.45 and 4 that afternoon. I don't get this. If you're going to eventually crack and break down and tell the truth, like, just just do it. I'm so glad they do, but I'm like, okay, so now you're just going to admit to being there? Right. Also... Okay, I'm glad the police talked to him, but nobody's going to call a lawyer. Yeah. I always think, like, the, we would have no stories because people would just be defended by lawyers. But, like, that's your right to an attorney. Right. I'm glad he didn't get one, but it's your right. Yeah. So they had Sam in interrogation for a very long time. And after about 11 hours, he started to kind of admit slowly piece by piece what had actually happened he alleged that he had arranged to meet ashley at the park with the purpose of telling her that they could not continue their relationship according to his account ashley got into his vehicle and they went for a drive but when she was given the news about the relationship ending she became angry and started screaming and yelling which sam told police he just couldn't stand to listen to get over yourself do you know how much screaming and yelling i hear in a day that i can't stand listening to (laughs) and i don't throw anybody around i just go on my merry way and sing a song in my head right pretend it's i'm not really here yeah (laughs) so he told detectives how he had pulled the car over and demanded that she just get out of course they're in the middle of nowhere and she said no i'm take me back to my car i assume that's what she would have said um and so when she refused to just get out of the car and i guess walk back to wherever she was supposed to go um he kind of got physical and went over to the side of the car and took off her seatbelt and drug her out and this is like a horrifying situation yeah. he's like, describing like he's saying in his own words like this is what i did yeah. and that um the struggle was like really emotional and you know she was kind of flailing around and they were you know screaming like fighting for her life so at some point during this struggle sam put ashley in a chokehold position which of course he knew from his time as a wrestler i guess yeah. Uh, yeah and he dragged her away from the car into a heavily wooded area off the road he confessed that he heard a popping sound and then immediately after that her body went limp this is what he is telling the detectives Um, He said he panicked and he didn't know what to do. So instead of taking her to a hospital and risking having charges filed on him, he decided that the only other option he had was to drag her into the woods and strangle her with his belt and leave her there in hopes that it would appear that someone else had choked her in the woods. 
So just thinking a little bit into this, you're leaving your DNA on your belt right. around her neck in the woods where you last saw her and they have text messages and stuff like that. You're going to get caught. Right. Right. There's like no, it's just a matter of when you're going to get caught. Exactly. So just bring her to the hospital. Get some attempted murder charges on. Right. You won't be there forever. Well. Let somebody live. Yeah. Even though Sam had confessed to murdering Ashley, he was still reluctant to tell the detectives exactly where he left her body. Captain Johnson, who knew Sam from his participation in a scouting program, switched up his tactic and decided to talk to Sam as a friend in hopes of breaking down his walls and finding out where Ashley was left. The tactic worked, and Sam agrees to tell him where he left her, but that he would actually have to take him there himself because it was too difficult to explain. So this is whenever he's, like, talking to the police officer, and the police officer is saying, like, what would your grandma think? He kept saying, like, yeah. your grandma. And they were, like, so excited that the grandma is what made him break down. But, like, also maybe your grandma doesn't want to know any of this happened and it was you could have like, avoided this. Yeah, it was some, like, cheesy thing because he – Sam was like, I just want to go home and tell my mom and my grandma, like, what it, happened. Yeah. And, like, and the officer was like – the detective was like, well, they're not here. But really they are because – Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he was like, everything they've ever taught you is inside, inside you. you. Like, it was so ridiculous. But it worked. So, it totally you know. did because this guy's an idiot right but no it was the weirdest yeah that yeah. was so bizarre. <laughs> was bizarre like it was it's inside your heart and you just like expect <laughs> disney music to cue right. up and like him it, to it save the world it was super bizarre after sam had confessed to murder he asked the detective if he would be able to get his contact solution and his toothbrush the detective said i don't think so <laughs> and then my favorite thing that any dummy has ever asked in an interrogation room he asked if he was going to get a private toilet because he can't pee with people around him due to his urinary stress disorder. He said he'll be really miserable if he can't pee. Oh, my goodness. What? I could not believe um, this guy. Like, and, and then on the contact thing, like, after he was told, like, don't think so, buddy. Like, he was like, so you mean I'm not going to be able to take out my contacts? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> like okay, somebody's dead and you're worried about peeing in front of people. It's going to get a lot worse, right, buddy. It's right. going to get a lot like, worse. No, you're not going to get your private, like, room with your own Maybe private get a spa. toilet. Like, yeah. What? A bidet. What? Like, do you, reality check here, buddy. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, you're going to prison. Yeah. Like, so. what do you think is going to happen here? Best, best case scenario, you get your own toilet I think that's going to be the least of your concerns once right. you get there please everyone in the world should be forced to watch 60 days in you will never commit a crime if you watch 60 days in <laughs> you'll never even think about committing a crime my husband's life is not in any danger now that I've watched 60 days in <laughs> by this point in the interrogation Ashley had been missing for 48 hours a team of detectives officers and Sam in handcuffs immediately set out to locate Ashley's body it was the middle of the night and pitch black as the group traipsed through the woods with flashlights, videotaping the entire search. Finally, at around 2 a.m., one officer spotted something off in the distance, and as the team got closer, they realized that it was Ashley. As they all gathered around her, they made a shocking discovery. Ashley was alive but barely clinging to life. Mm. That just gives me goosebumps. I know. It was the first time in Captain Johnson's 17-year career that he'd ever been successful in finding someone alive. And you could tell whenever that – you could hear them on the video, um, they couldn't the believe it. The rescue video, I yeah. I mean, they could not believe it. Like, it was such a crazy moment, I'm sure, in their career to, like, 
to find her like that, you know, and they were like screaming. They're like, we found her. Like she's breathing. Like get the EMTs, you yeah. know, like right now, like get somebody here. You yeah. know, we've got to get this, this girl to the hospital. At first glance, you would not think she was alive. No. At all. Like until they saw, they thought like the flashlights were tricking them and stuff. And, um, and it was like the middle of the night. So you also are thinking like, you're tired. You've yeah. already been interrogating this guy for hours and hours. And like, am I seeing things? Right. You know? Absolutely. Step into the glitzy world of June's journey and prepare for an adventure that's out of this world. Get ready to ditch the dull and dive into a world where mystery meets glamour and where June Parker's drama-filled escapades will have you hooked faster than you can say, flapper dress. Whether you're itching for a whodunit fix or just craving an escape from the mundane, June's journey is your ticket to excitement. Follow June as she unravels family secrets and untangles the web of mystery surrounding her sister's death. It's like joining a high society soiree, but with way more intrigue and way fewer dull conversations about the weather. Just kidding. You know we love a weather chat. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and immerse yourself in a world where every corner holds a new clue and every twist keeps you guessing. But hold on to your pearls because June's journey isn't just another run-of-the-mill mobile game. I'm already knee-deep in the fifth chapter of June's journey, and each chapter is more fun than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the toe-tapping music, everything about June's journey screams class. So what are you waiting for? Step into June's world and let the adventure begin. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Just like Lenny Kravitz, I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while I'm stuck on the ground for now, I can settle for a new kind of journey, all with a fun mobile game. Step into the enchanting world of June Parker with June's Journey, where a spectacular adventure awaits you. And the best part? No plane tickets needed. Bid farewell to the ordinary and immerse yourself in a realm where intrigue dances with elegance, all thanks to the drama-filled escapades of our charming heroine, June Parker. Whether you crave a captivating mystery or simply wish to escape the humdrum of daily life, June's journey is your portal to excitement. Join June on her quest to uncover hidden family secrets and navigate the tangled web surrounding her sister's demise. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and dive into a world where each corner holds a new clue and every twist leaves you on the edge of your seat. But hold on to your pearls because June's Journey is no ordinary mobile game. I'm knee deep in the fifth chapter and each section is really more delightful than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the catchy tunes, every aspect oozes sophistication and refinement. So don't hesitate any longer, step into June's world and let the thrilling adventure unfold. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Ashley was found lying on her back with her arms splayed awkwardly beside her and her neck appeared to be broken. She had spent the last 48 hours in the woods exposed to the elements and covered in insect bites. I had also seen that um, it in that time it had like rained and yeah. the, the temperature had dropped. And so she was just laying out there exposed to all of that. I honestly, it's like the most horrifying thing I can even imagine. Oh, my gosh. But when the detectives had arrived and found her, she was awake. They said that she was m- not really responsive but she was awake they wouldn't call it like conscious um her eyes were open and she would her eyes wouldn't respond to like the flashlights like you had said they kept shining in her eyes well that's probably one of the reasons why they kept doing it because i felt like somebody's hand was just a little heavy with that light though (laughs) so when they had called the paramedics to come to the scene um they had to use chainsaws to clear a path through the woods so that they would be able to quickly transport her to the ambulance and then take her to the hospital 
the process of getting to Ashley and getting her to the ambulance took a whole hour. And of course, with her having already been in the woods for two days, uh, the paramedics and detectives feared that she might not even survive the journey. Um, that's just a big stress, you know, to have oh to gosh, move her. Yeah. And I'm sure they had to put her on, what do they call like a spine board mm-hmm. um, and carry her out of the woods. And that whole thing is just, it's just a stress, you know? And so they were worried that she wouldn't even make it to the hospital. Uh, once they arrived there, a team of doctors acted quickly with a main concern being focused on Ashley's oxygen levels and getting her warmed up. And of course, um, a big concern is preventing further injury. One thing I didn't realize is when they talked about getting her warmed, how they had to get her warm um, slowly. Right. Like you'd think like, oh my gosh, she's freezing. My unmedical mind would be like, just throw all the blankets on her. Right. But they're like, you no, have to do it. so slowly. scary that they have to do it a little at a time. She was neurologically unresponsive, and although it turned out that her neck was not broken, she had suffered a severe brain injury, leaving her brain dangerously swollen. Doctors knew that she had a statistically low chance of survival due to the type of injury she had, as well as the fact that she did not receive immediate treatment and had been left to die in the woods for so long before she was discovered. When Michelle got to the hospital to see her daughter, she was told that Ashley had been strangled and that she was alive, but things weren't looking good. Friends and family also tried to prepare Michelle for the worst, but she wasn't willing to give up hope on her daughter and fully believed that she was a fighter and capable of surviving this attack. I really liked Michelle um, throughout everything we read. She just seemed like kind of a no-nonsense kind of lady, and she was going to figure it out herself, and she wasn't going to take no for an answer. Ashley slowly battled her way back, defying all odds when she began to make small movements and sounds. Michelle recalls how Ashley began screaming and unable to speak any words or express emotions and desires. She said it was constant screaming, just around the clock screaming, which has to be terrifying and so upsetting. Like as a mom. Really upsetting, yes. You know, like if you're screaming, something's wrong. Right. Like you can't make it better. Family and friends would visit and talk to Ashley, but she was unable to respond to them. One day, Ashley's aunt came to visit in the hospital, and she told Ashley that she knew she was in there and that she could hear her, and that if she could, she wanted Ashley to bite down on her finger to let her know she could hear. When she stuck her finger in Ashley's mouth, Ashley bit down as hard as she could. It was a moment to celebrate for the family who worried that Ashley may be brain dead. And Ashley talked a little bit about that moment, and right. like hearing her and saying, like, I'm going to do this. Like, and they were just like, we knew you were there. You right. know, they were so excited. After months of therapy and intensive care, Ashley was able to relearn basic skills such as eating, swallowing, walking, and talking. I think it was one of the nurses that was interviewed, and um, she had said basically it was like being a 17-year-old baby. Like she had to go back and literally relearn all those things that you learn in your – Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, just little things that you take for granted and don't even think about. You know, she had to do that. And then in uh, later interviews, um, Ashley had said, like, she remembered her first sip of water after her accident and being able to swallow it. And she said it was just the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Because I'm sure she was just intervening. Everybody was feeding her, you know, doing all that stuff for her. She couldn't do anything for herself. And that has to be so frustrating because, you know, you could do it. Right. And now all of a sudden your brain won't allow you to. The months of therapy were intense and hard on Ashley, who was in pain and ready to give up and go home. Ashley's father reassured her that she was in the best place and that she needed to stay in therapy and continue to get stronger. Ashley worked hard to regain her strength and managed to graduate high school on time despite her setback. Just two months after the attack, she was able to walk across the finish line of a 5K that was set up to help pay her medical bills. That was a super sweet moment to watch her be able to do that. Yeah, Ashley's like the most bad A person I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard of, honestly. 
bad butt. I don't yeah, know if that has yeah. the same. It doesn't. It doesn't really work that way. You know. You know what I mean. I got it. <laughs> As Ashley's condition improved, she began speaking with the detectives who were working her case. She was in complete disbelief that her friend Sam could have been the one that did this to her, and with no memories of her own of that day, she wanted to be shown the photos taken of her after the attack. So that would be a really hard thing to mentally prepare yourself that you're about to see. Can you imagine seeing yourself no. in that kind of a state? Like, that's that's terrible. So the detectives told Ashley that after the attack in which Sam believed he had just killed her, he then went out line dancing at a local country bar where he was evidently a regular customer. There is surveillance footage from the bar where he can just be seen kicking up his heels and having a real good time for someone who thinks he just murdered a 17-year-old girl. I can't with this guy. That was so upsetting it to see. It was so upsetting. And he literally just is having a great time at the bar. Yeah. And it just a normal night for him. It he was a terrible even, dancer too. So. He was. As he was someone who is a terrible dancer, I can <laughs> I can spot one a mile away. It was also discovered that he had sent text messages to another high school student that he had some type of relationship with um, that night after he had done this to Ashley. Wow. Just no remorse. It's it, no. He was just all he wanted to get rid of the problem, and so he thought he got rid of the problem, and he was just going to continue doing what he was doing. So gross. So Ashley was stunned at what the detectives were telling her, and she still couldn't believe that Sam had hurt her, and she had no memory of what would have made him attack her. Um, she said she never had sex with him. She denied that completely, as he had said they slept together one time. Right. She says they did not, and maintained that she was in a serious relationship with someone else at the time and never considered Sam to be a boyfriend. She knew he was well-liked and had a lot of girls that he talked to, and it was her understanding that they were just good friends. Uh, but she did tell the investigators that Sam had always wanted to keep their friendship a secret because, according to him, if the principal of the school or the other teachers found out that he was fraternizing with students, he would be at risk for losing his job. Hmm. It's a little, I don't know, not premeditation because he didn't. Yeah. I mean, there is premeditation in this that he was very, he was very calculated with everything he did, like trying to cover his tracks and stuff. Monster. When the news broke about the attack, the community was divided. Sam's family and friends were shocked, and many residents still believed that Sam was a good person. While some people were surrounding Sam in support, Ashley was on the receiving end of victim blaming, and prank calls were being made to her mother, which just angers me to no end. Oh, yeah. That she was – who cares what she even did, honestly, like what her relationship was him – you can't really be consenting at 17 right anyway he's and the adult he's, in the situation he's the one with a responsibility an right like an authority figure give me a break people question what ashley was doing hanging around an older teacher instead of asking why the adult was hanging around with children thank you very much this part really got to me I have lots of opinions on this. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sam's mother appeared in an interview on the show on the case with Paula Zahn and spoke very positively about very her little son, Sammy. Positively. Mm -hmm. She said that Sam was always popular and friendly and successful and that she couldn't believe her son had done this. But she basically made it sound like she didn't believe her son had done this. That is exactly how she made it sound. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, to this day, I still think she has, like, something that she just doesn't think it happened yeah. or something. Like, she blocked it out. I don't know. But it was really, really weird. She said that she doesn't know how she manages to keep herself together. Like, this, this happened to her. This is so tragic for her. Right. She's Her life has been turned upside down because she, of this. She woke up the next day, and she could breathe and eat and 
you know, walk and do all those right. things. And her son had taken that from somebody else. What a rough life. But she doesn't know how she keeps it together. How does she do it? She said the only reason he would have tried to hide her body is because he didn't know what he was doing. Isn't Poor that Sam. always the, what the mother's? He was a good boy. He didn't know what it's he was doing. It's a Todd Colehep mom all right. over again. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was very sure. upsetting watching this lady because it was all like, it was never apologetic for what she went through at all. It no. was all just, well, but he he must not have known. He wouldn't have, my good boy right. would have never done that. Right. Sir Peaks in high school, he's a good one. Oh, yeah. And then she also went on to talk about how um, he still, he just writes her the most sweet oh, letters oh, from she prison. Read them? Yeah. And, and and he is still just such a sweet boy and he is such a sweet son and she just loves him and he is a really, really good person. Yeah. Oh, man. I wish we had one of those letters, but it was all like, hi, mommy. You're the best mommy in the whole mommy yeah, world. And this mommy. is like a 26 year old man, you yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, and she's acting like, Oh, it's just the greatest thing ever. And, right. and this person could never do this. No, he's manipulating you like you right. manipulate somebody else. And I hope he can't pee. I hope he gets UTIs constantly. Because I hope he has his such whole a life is a UTI. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I hope for Sam Shelton. <laughs> there you go. So a close friend of Sam on this Palazan interview even used the words poor Sam. Right. It was the weirdest thing to listen to these people talk about him. It, it was just... I get that he had like good qualities. Sure, people can have good right. qualities and they can have nice things about them. But the second you do this, you have to say, well, right. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't be defending right. this monster. And this guy that was interviewed, the friend, uh, he had been, he had known Sam for years and years. And, you know, at least he was a little bit more apologetic than the mother yeah, was. Sure. You know, he did say, you know, you think about this victim and you think, you know, about her life. and But then in the next breath, he was like, but then you think about Sam and you're like, poor Sam. I'm like, yeah. no, that's not where I go next after that. I don't think no. poor Sam at all. You I know? hope he can never find cranberry juice and he just suffers with a UTI all day, every day. <laughs> no cranberry juice in the commissary for him. I mean, I imagine it's hard, though, whenever you are, like, fr good friends with someone and oh, then yeah. they do something heinous like this and it's, like, hard to come to terms with. But, like, there's – you know, you can – but you, you can grieve the loss of, like, the person that you thought you knew right. and still be, like, not condoning what they did yeah. and not feeling sorry for them. Like, I'm not going to feel sorry for you, Melissa, if you commit a heinous crime like this. No, I mean, please don't. I will be sad, but I'm not going to be, like, well, you know, she's a really good, you know, person. Well, you wouldn't <laughs> say that I was a good person anyway. <laughs> That's not a problem. But, no, I – I you hear in some interviews where people say that's not the person I knew, right. but they're not saying that's not that person. They're right. saying that's not the side of them I knew. I'm fine with that. I understand that. Like right. that's not who they knew. But now there is this monster, and you have to. Somebody at the end of the day is a victim here, and it's not Sammy Boy. Right. Exactly. Kind of like Toddy Boy. Toddy. Oh, you know, maybe that's what happened. My brain went there. Wow, I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> So Sam was arrested and charged with attempted murder, but he was able to pay his bail and he was released while awaiting his trial. And while he was out on bail, he made an attempt on his own life by overdosing on pills and alcohol. And he wrote a note on his chest that said not to resuscitate him. Uh, just strange. Um, when the EMTs were attempting to save his life, he became angry and physically violent towards them. He punched them and spit on them. And at some point he kicked a nurse in the face and just was all out acting yeah. Like a crazy person. Uh, his lawyers attempted to have his confession thrown out because apparently he hadn't been read his rights 
when he made the statements about what he had done to Ashley. Um, thankfully, the judge ruled against him and said the confession would be allowed as evidence, although um, that was really hard, though, like, to f- hear that they didn't read him as yeah, rights. Like, yeah. That is such a rookie mistake, I feel Mandy! like. Mandy! <laughs> I think they were searching for a girl, but I get it. Like, you're just like, oh, that one thing? Like, like that's yeah. police officer 101. Yeah. I watch enough Law & Order to know that's the first, first thing, thing you, you do. First thing you do before you even talk to them about anything. Yeah. You say, like, you read them their rights. But, um, yeah, I was just like, I've Ooh. tried to boil water without putting water in the pot before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get it. You sometimes just do these things all the time right. and, and you miss it. Yeah, I get it. So Sam pled guilty to attempted first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And Ashley has continued to fight to get her life back and is now a working mother of two with a busy school schedule. So it ended up being a happy ending, although her life is never going to be the same. Never. She had severe brain injury and will probably work the rest of her life to maintain a normal, what we would consider normal. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was sweet that she has now has a family and everything. And, yeah. And she's able to work to continue to go to school, which is a lot more than what I think the doctors thought she would, you know, m- oh, much more of a life than sure. what the doctors thought she would have. We watched um, something with Crime Watch um, and Elizabeth Smart interviewed her. And um, I love Elizabeth Smart because she's taken this terrible, terrible thing and become such a victim's advocate. Um, and she's just lovely and wonderful. But they ended up bringing Ashley back to the scene of where – everything happened. So she basically doesn't remember days around this event. She doesn't remember being out there, nothing. And so Elizabeth Smart talked about how every victim, their experience is different. She said, whenever I went back to where I was taken, it was a feeling of empowerment. And I was glad I was there and they didn't have control over me and I have my life back. But when Ashley went there, it was really hard for her a lot of that being she doesn't remember that. I can't imagine how that is. Like, because you don't want to remember, I'm sure. Part of you doesn't want to know what happened. But then you want to know what happened? I don't know. But right. everybody's different, too. So, like, in my brain, I'd be like, well, is it good that you didn't remember what happened? But that also has to be so scary that there's this whole thing. And you can – she even said that. You can make it worse in your brain over what happened because you just don't know. So yeah, if you get a chance to watch that, I think it's like 15 minutes. We'll put it in the show notes. But it was really great. I really enjoyed that yeah. update with her. Yeah. And she did say that, actually, that um, whenever she, you know, she said sometimes she really will try to, like, remember things. But then sometimes she's like, mm, maybe it's not such a good idea for yeah. me to even, like, you know, maybe it's good that I don't know, yeah. you know, exactly what happened or have memories of that. Um, those would be some terrible memories to oh have. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Stuff of nightmares for sure. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yep, that was our story on Ashley Reeves and good old Sammy boy, um, who will be in prison for the next however many years. Um, not long enough. Melissa. Yes. Are we going to do a last thing before we go? Mandy, let's do last thing before we go. Let's do it. Okay, I'm going to put three minutes on the clock, and we are going to do our last thing before we go. Hashtag last thing before we go. We haven't used it as a hashtag yet. It's too many words. So it's the first thing you do if you have the entire house to yourself for the day. So you have the whole house to yourself for a full day. And this is by Ashley M. in our Mums the Word Facebook group. Mandy, I'm putting three minutes on the clock. When you're ready, let's go. Okay. So I'm going to 
be honest here and say that the first thing I would probably do is sit on the couch and stare at my phone and interact with people on social media. And I would probably waste half the day doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would eventually, uh, I don't know, maybe I'd, if you have the house to yourself, like that's fine. But see, I don't like just being at my house because then I like look around and see all the things I have to do. So if I was, if I was kid free for the whole day, I would probably take myself to lunch and like, you know, just like treat me like the queen I am. Just enjoy my life for a day. (laughs) (laughs) I probably wouldn't just like sit around the house and, and enjoy that because like I said, I would end up cleaning, which, you know, so I guess that's what I would do. I would clean or I would leave the house and enjoy time by myself. What about you? Great. Um, so I would definitely um, feel bad for about two seconds that, oh, my whole family's not here. No, two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. And then I would be celebrating. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but uh, I would probably eat every dangerous food that I can't have because my kid has food allergies. So I would go and just like eat a bunch of peanuts. Uh, peanut butter stuff and but you eat a bunch have of that scrambled stuff in your eggs. house, so you'd have to leave the house too. Yeah, you'd have to leave the house. Yeah, I don't want to be here. Do you want to be here? I don't no, want to be here. Exactly. No, <laughs> we don't want to be in our houses. <laughs> my ultimate goal for the rest of the day would just to be to be laying in bed and watching trash TV, the blankets up to my neck, really cold in the house. I want it freezing <laughs> cold. Diet cokes at every corner, both hands. I've just got diet cokes <laughs> going. Also, I'd like to do some kind of like ideally some kind of calf situation so I don't even have to get up to go oh my goodness (laughs) sounds ideal I'd love to be catheterized for fun Mindy you don't even have to get up to pee and have like a mini fridge like Doug Heffernan on King of Queens (laughs) and I'm just watching Married at First Sight Love After Lockup um probably not anything any good but I would probably clean my room first like make sure it's really nice and clean because can you you relax better yeah 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 like a clean situation yeah so this is what our lives come to we would clean the house we would clean (laughs) be catheterized (laughs) do all the things I like to do anyway but with nothing but by like Three o'clock, I'd be like, oh, I miss them. I really miss them. But then I would quickly go and get like <laughs> Longhorn or something for dinner and just eat it and get a dessert too. I never mm, get a dessert. Yeah. Yeah. I basically try and get into a coma of food. A food. A, a food coma. There That's you go. what I would try there for. You go. There you go. <laughs> so we didn't quite hit three minutes, but I feel like that was probably enough on that subject. So thanks for sending that in and hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a great week. Um, you can visit us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash moms and murder podcast, our Threadless store, threadless.com slash moms and murder for some merch stuff. And thank you guys for sharing our posts, commenting on social media, all that stuff. Have a great week. Bye, guys. This is Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse. I'm the host of People Are Wild, the only podcast that claims to bring medical entertainment, medutainment, on a weekly basis. I can be found on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes and Google Play, and you could talk to me on Twitter at PeopleAreWild. Hey, it's Jody from the Reality TV Podcast, your source for smart and snarky reality TV recaps. Let me be your inner voice as we cringe watch all the shows we love and love to hate. From Bravo, WeTV to TLC, MTV to Lifetime, and even those documentaries that we love on Netflix. I watch it all and break down all the fine details that have you screaming and crying in laughter. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app by searching Reality TV Podcast. Join the Reality TV Podcast Orchard of Snark on Facebook 
And on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at RealityVPod. Can't wait to meet you and laugh with you soon. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Cassie. Do you want to tell people about our podcast? Oh my gosh, I've been waiting all day to tell people about our podcast. What's it called? It's called Married to Murder. What's it about? It's couples who murder each other or murder together. Oh my God, that sounds so awesome. Where can you listen to it? iTunes or anywhere podcasts are available. Anywhere a podcast is available? Anywhere. Get out. I can't wait to go listen myself. Well, hurry up. I'll time you. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com